Well, howdy. Uh, well, again, my name is Timothy Atik. I'm the director of Breakaway Ministries in College Station. I love Community of Faith. It is so great to be here with you this morning. Uh, I'll never forget the night of November 14, 2007. I was in Dallas speaking to a group of middle and high school students. And after I finished speaking, I went outside and I checked my phone. And I saw that I had a voicemail from a college friend that I hadn't heard from in a long time, and he was calling to inform me that one of my close friends, Pete, had passed away serving our country in Iraq. And the reason that that moment was pretty significant for me is because that was one of the first times that I had really encountered unexpected loss. And I would imagine that there are many people in this room that have been in that exact moment where you experience unexpected loss. And when you find yourself in that moment, it can really turn your world upside down. And as I kind of just went through that night and, the, and then, then the coming days and went to Pete's funeral, and as I stepped away from it and just processed, I realized uh, that death always does two things. The first thing that death always does is it brings people together. It always brings people together. I remember getting that phone call that night and then going over to a friend's apartment where several other friends were gathered and we hadn't seen each other in a while, but we sat around telling stories, laughing together and crying together. Death always brings people together. When you experience the loss of a loved one, you're gonna find yourself in a room hugging people you haven't seen in a really long time because that's what death will do. The second thing that death will always do is it will prompt you to determine what you really believe to be true about God. I remember driving down the toll road in Dallas, just asking God questions, having thoughts about him that I really hadn't dealt with before in my life. Like, God, are you truly good? Are you really in control, sovereign over all things? Why would you let this happen? Death will always bring people together and prompt you to determine what you believe to be true about God. The reason that I tell you that is because this morning we're going to look at a story in the scriptures about a woman that's in the midst of unexpected loss. And we're going to see death do its two things. We're going to see death bring people together, but we're going to see death prompt this woman to determine what she really believes to be true about God. She's actually going to find herself looking God in the eyes, Jesus Christ, and Jesus is going to prompt her to determine what she really believes to be true about him. And it's going to come in the form of a question. What you need to know is Jesus loved to ask people penetrating questions. And his questions weren't just meant to be answered by the people in his immediate audience. No, his questions were intended for each one of us. And you can wait until you experience unexpected loss in your life to really determine what you believe to be true about God. But I want to invite you this morning to go ahead and answer the question that Jesus asked this woman. And we find this question in John chapter 11. So if you have a Bible, turn with me this morning to John chapter 11. That's where we'll be today. John chapter 11. And when you get to John chapter 11, go, off, go ahead and find verse 17. And when you have verse 17, just go ahead and look up at me and uh, let me just make sure we're all on the same page. Let me fill you in 
on what happens at the beginning of chapter 11. The, the chapter starts with us being introduced to three people. There's Mary, Martha, and Lazarus. These three people are siblings, and the text tells us that Jesus loved these three people. Lazarus gets sick, so sick to the point where Martha and Mary send word to Jesus and say, you better come now. And Jesus does something really interesting. He does nothing. He stays put for two days. And in the meantime, Lazarus gets so sick to the point that he dies. Jesus knows that he has passed away because he's God. And after Lazarus has passed away, Jesus gathers his friends, his 12 disciples, and he says, let's go to where Lazarus, Mary, and Martha are. And on his way there, he has an encounter with Martha. And that's what I really want us to zero in on this morning. And we're going to see death do its two things. So we pick it up in verse 17. Here's what it says. It says, now when Jesus came, he found that Lazarus had already been in the tomb four days. Bethany was near Jerusalem, about two miles off. And many of the Jews had come to Martha and Mary to console them concerning their brother. That's the first thing that death does, is it brings people together. People came to console Martha and Mary. We continue in verse 20. It says this, So when Martha heard that Jesus was coming, she went and met him, but Mary remained seated in the house. Martha said to Jesus, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. This is why I love the Bible. I love the Bible because it doesn't sugarcoat anything. It doesn't matter how old this book is, it actually gets us. It's extremely relevant to our lives. Jesus shows up about four days too late, and what does Martha say? Where were you? Where were you? If you had been here, my brother wouldn't have died. I wonder if you've ever thought that towards God. God, where were you? If you had just been here, if you had just shown up, things might have gone differently. See, this book is extremely relevant to our lives. This is why we read this book. We continue, and now we're going to see the second thing that death always does. Verse 22, she goes on and says, but even now I know that whatever you ask from God, God will give you. Jesus said to her, your brother will rise again. Martha said to him, I know that he will rise again in the resurrection on the last day. Jesus said to her, watch this, I am the resurrection and the life. Whoever believes in me, though he die, yet shall he live. And everyone who lives and believes in me shall never die. Here's the question. Do you believe this? She said to him, yes, Lord, I believe that you are the Christ, the Son of God, who is coming into the world. So Martha finds herself in the midst of unexpected loss. She comes face to face with the God of the universe, Jesus Christ. Jesus makes this massive declaration about himself, and then he prompts Martha to determine what she really believes to be true about him. And it comes in the form of a question. He makes this statement, and then the question is very simple. Do you believe this? This is the question that's on the table for every single one of us here. But we need to understand the massive claim that Jesus makes about himself before we begin to deal with the question. What does Jesus say about himself? He says, I am the resurrection and the life. Whoever believes in me, though he die, yet shall he live. What's Jesus saying? 
He's saying, if you want to experience eternal life with God in heaven, when you die, it's going to have everything to do with me. Jesus doesn't say, I am a source of resurrection and life. No, he says, I am the resurrection and life. If you want to experience eternal life with God in heaven, when you die, Jesus is saying, you have to know me. He goes on, he says, I'm the resurrection and the life. Whoever believes in me, though he die, yet shall he live. And then watch this, and everyone who lives and believes in me shall never die. Do you know what Jesus is saying here? This is a beautiful statement. He's saying eternal life isn't something that begins the day you die. Eternal life is something that begins the day you believe. So what he's saying is when you come to a personal relationship with Jesus Christ, I'm not talking about knowing about Jesus, I'm talking about actually knowing Jesus. It's one thing to say, yeah, 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 I, I've grown up knowing about Jesus, I've heard about him, I know what he did, yeah, I believe that Jesus was a person that came and died, yeah, 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 I get all that. No, that's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about truly knowing Jesus personalizing Jesus, saying, I need my sin to become Jesus' sin. I need Jesus' death to count as my death so that Jesus' resurrection could cause a resurrection to a new life for me. When you come to that place where you know Jesus Christ in a personal way, then what Jesus is saying here is that eternal life begins that day that you believe it, and you get to taste what life in heaven will be like now. You don't get to taste all of it, but you at least get to taste it, where you experience a personal connection with the God of the universe. The King of kings, Lord of lords, is committed to being present in your life, leading you, caring for you, comforting you, and directing you. Jesus is saying that when you die, you might physically die, but spiritually, your life just ramps up. So just to be clear, when Jesus says, I am the resurrection and the life, what he is saying is, I am the one and only one who can raise you to a new life that begins now and lasts for all of eternity. And then he asks Martha, do you believe this? This is one of the most important questions that you could ever answer. Do you believe this, that Jesus Christ is the resurrection and the life? Maybe you already know the answer to that question. Even if you're still deciding wherever you're at, before you mentally answer that question, I want you to see how the story plays out. Because what we're going to get is this beautiful, physical display of the spiritual reality that Jesus just unpacked for Martha when he claimed to be the resurrection and the life. So look with me now at verse 38, and I'll just tell you right now that this is hands down, without a doubt, by far my favorite story in the entire Bible. You want to know what my favorite story is? We're about to read it right here. <clears throat> verse 38 says this, Then... Then Jesus, deeply moved again, came to the tomb. It was a cave, and a stone lay against it. Jesus said, take away the stone. Martha, the sister of the dead man, said to him, Lord, 
By this time there will be an odor, for he has been dead four days. Jesus said to her, did I not tell you that if you believed, you would see the glory of God? So they took away the stone, and Jesus lifted up his eyes and said, Father, I thank you that you have heard me. I knew that you always hear me, but I said this on account of the people standing around, that they may believe that you sent me. When he had said these things, he cried out with a loud voice, Lazarus, come out. The man who had died came out, his hands and feet bound with linen strips and his face wrapped with a cloth. Jesus said to them, unbind him and let him go. So all eyes on me, let's just insert ourselves into this story. Let's try and experience this story as it actually happened. Jesus comes to town to see Mary and Martha, knowing that Lazarus has already died. And there we are with Jesus and Mary and Martha. And Jesus has, has an interesting idea. He says, hey, let's go to the tomb where Lazarus is buried. Okay, just so you know, Lazarus wasn't put in the ground. He was put in a hole inside of a rock. And then a stone was rolled in front of that opening. So just imagine, here we are, hundreds of us, over a thousand of us, we're all following Jesus, and now we are just awkwardly, quietly looking at a rock. And then Jesus makes this highly inappropriate request. He says, hey, uh, let's, let's open up the tomb. That's the equivalent of going to a closed casket funeral and being like, guys, I know what will take this thing to the next level. Let's just open up that casket. Highly inappropriate. So the stone is rolled away, and there we all are now staring into a hole in a rock at a dead, lifeless Lazarus. Imagine quietly just staring at a lifeless body, all wrapped up, it says, in linen strips. <clears throat> and as we stand there, Jesus does something very weird. He begins to talk to the dead guy. But as he begins to talk to him, something very interesting happens. Jesus' voice becomes a defibrillator to Lazarus' soul. So Jesus calls out, Lazarus, and in that moment, it was like clear, and his chest begins to fill with oxygen, <clears throat> and a lifeless Lazarus begins to move. Now, that's creepy. I'm just going to say it. it is, it's creepy when things that are dead begin to move. Several years ago, I walked into my backyard and there was a possum laying on the ground. And I'm going to apologize in advance for relating this to Jesus in any way. <laughs> but I went into my backyard and there was a possum laying on the ground and the dude didn't move for a long time. And so I just began to think this guy might be done. <clears throat> he might have expired. And so I am watching this guy because if his life is over... I want to relocate him to a different location, uh, specifically my trash can. And so I am staring at this possum, and I just stare for a while because I want to really know, <clears throat> is this guy, is he done with life? And so I just stare, and I'm looking 
to see if that movement is, is happening just faintly in his side. Like, nothing. Nothing. And I stare, and after a while, I just call it. I call it. <laughs> and so I turn around to grab my relocation utensils, which were a brim and a dustpan, and I turn back around, and the guy's just scampering along my fence. So you know what I did? Here's what I did. And I assumed a fighting position. <laughs> because if that guy just came back from the dead, no telling what he was about to do. <laughs> it is weird when things that are dead begin to move. I guarantee you that day, there were full-grown men whose feet left the ground. Just imagine, imagine Lazarus. <gasps> whoa, that is messed up. They're like standing behind their friend like, you have got to be kidding me. The guy was dead. It is amazing what happens when your life intersects with Jesus. Jesus shows up in a lifeless Lazarus, walks out of a tomb. I love what one commentator said. He said, it's very important that Jesus specified, it was very important that Jesus specified Lazarus. Because if he hadn't specified Lazarus, because of his power, all of the tombs would have just given up their dead. Can you imagine? Come out. My bad, my bad. Just Lazarus today, folks. <laughs> that was my bad. I apologize. Just need Lazarus today. It's amazing. He calls Lazarus by name. And then it says that Lazarus is bound up in linen strips, so he begins to shuffle out of the tomb. And when he shuffles out, Jesus looks at the people standing around, and he says, unbind him. I would have been like, you heard him. Un unbind him. <laughs> you know? I'll watch. Lazarus comes out of the tomb, and we are left to assume that he is unwrapped of any trace of death. Let me tell you why I love this story. The first reason that I love this story is that it is a beautiful display of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Gospel means good news. The reason that we gather here every weekend is because we believe that we have extremely good news. We're not just here to be a part of a club or just because religion is nice. No, we are here because there's really good news attached to Jesus Christ. And this picture displays it extremely well. Think about it. Lazarus was dead in the tomb. His fate was final. The tomb was sealed shut. No one was standing around like, you know what, if I know Lazarus, he's going to bounce back from this. It's been four days, but if I know my boy Lazarus, he's a fighter. Just watch. He's coming back. No, his fate was final, sealed in the tomb. The reality is, if you were to read the scriptures, you know what you would see? You would see that this is our reality without a relationship with Jesus Christ. The Bible doesn't say that we are spiritually bad people, implying that we just need to become good people. It doesn't say that we're spiritually sick people, meaning we just need to do better about getting well spiritually. Now, let me show you what the Bible says. Paul tells us in Ephesians chapter 2, watch this. He says, and you 
were dead in the trespasses and sins in which you once walked, following the course of this world, following the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that is now at work and the sons of disobedience, among whom we all once lived in the passions of our flesh, carrying out the desires of the body and the mind, and watch this, and were by nature children of wrath like the rest of mankind. Do you see what he's saying? He's saying, without a relationship with Jesus Christ, you are physically alive but spiritually dead, meaning you are incapable of doing anything that would merit God's acceptance, approval, or favor. There is nothing we can do in our own strength to please God. It is impossible. It doesn't matter if you are morally above average in this world's eyes. In God's eyes, there is none who does good, not even one. So in God's eyes, we are physically alive, but spiritually dead, incapable of beginning a relationship with God in our own strength. But Jesus shows up at the tomb and he calls Lazarus by name because he knew Lazarus' name. He knows your name. He knows you better than you know you. He cares about you more than you care about yourself. And he's calling you by name today. And he's saying, come out. And when you respond in faith to Jesus' invitation... When you respond by saying, Jesus Christ, I realize that you are the Lord of lords and King of kings. You came to deal with my sin on that cross. You voluntarily got on a cross and endured the wrath of God, not just for the world, but specifically for me. You had me on your mind when you were on the cross, thinking about me, everything that I would do in my life. You went to the cross and you have dealt with it satisfactorily. And I want you to not just have a part of my life, I actually give my life to you. When you respond to his invitation, you know what your story is? Your story is, I was a dead man and now I'm alive. That can be your story this morning. Hey, how was church this morning? Well, I'd say it was pretty good. When I walked in, I was dead, and when I left, I was alive. So yeah, it was a pretty good Sunday. How was your morning? That's your story when you know Jesus Christ. 2 Corinthians 5.17 puts it this way. It says, therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has passed away. Behold, the new has come. I wonder if there's anyone here longing for a new start this morning, a clean slate. Maybe that's why you're in this place. Is there something in you craving newness, craving a new start? Jesus is in the business of it. <clears throat> this is what makes Christianity such good news. This isn't about religion. This is about a relationship with Jesus Christ who can make you new for all of eternity. That's why I love this story. That's the first reason why I love it because it's a beautiful picture of the gospel. The second reason that I love this story is that it's a great, as I said earlier, it's a great physical display of the spiritual reality that Jesus had unpacked for Martha. Remember what he says. He says, I am the resurrection and the life. And let's just zero in on this specific line. He says, whoever believes in me, though he die, 
yet shall he live. Think about it. Lazarus shuffled out of the tomb. Jesus looked at the people standing around and said, unwrap him. And when they unwrapped him, we are left to assume that he was unwrapped of any trace of death. All his dead, man, dead man's cloth was gone. See, what this says is, even though you die, you shall live. So just think, I don't know what you imagine happens after you die, but Lazarus gives us a pretty cool picture of what it'll be like. A day is coming where you will be unwrapped of any trace of sin and death. Paul puts it this way in 1 Corinthians 15, 51 through 58. He says, behold, I tell you a mystery. We shall not all sleep, but we shall all be changed. In a moment, in the twinkling of an eye at the last trumpet, for the trumpet will sound, and watch this, the dead will be raised imperishable and shall be changed. For this perishable body must put on the imperishable. This mortal body must put on immortality. When the perishable puts on the imperishable and the mortal puts on immortality, then shall come to pass the saying that is written, death is swallowed up in victory. O death, where is your victory? O death, where is your sting? The sting of death is sin, and the power of sin is the law. But thanks be to God who gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. Do you see what Paul is saying? He's saying that if you know Jesus Christ, after you die physically, here's what happens. A day is coming where this physical body will be resurrected and perfected. Just as Lazarus was physically unwrapped of any trace of death, a day is truly coming where your physical bodies will be unwrapped of any trace of sin and death. So what that means is a day is coming where there will be no more sin. That means no more temptation. That means no more struggle. That means no more feelings of guilt, shame, or regret. But not just that, a day is coming where your physical body will be unwrapped of any trace of death. So that means cancer can put a believer in the ground, but it can't keep them there. It means that believers might not be able to walk or talk or see or hear or shout while they're here on this earth, but nothing can keep a believer from running and shouting and singing and beholding for all of eternity because a day is coming where the saying will be true, death where is your victory, death where is your sting because the perishable will put on the imperishable and the mortal will put on immortality because of Jesus Christ. See, this is incredible news. When Jesus declares, I am the resurrection and the life, whoever believes in me, though he die, yet shall he live, Lazarus just gives us a little taste of that. That a day is coming where you're going to shuffle out of this world and you're going to be unwrapped of any trace of sin and death. But Jesus goes on and he says, Whoever believes in me, though he die, yet shall he live. But then what was the second half? He says, and everyone who lives and believes in me shall never die. Remember what we said. 
what Jesus is saying is eternal life doesn't begin the day you die. It begins the day that you believe. It means that you get to taste the unwrapped life now. Not in full, but the normal Christian life now becomes a life where every day you can look more and more alive and less and less dead. Just think about those people unwrapping Lazarus. As they unwrapped him, he looked more and more alive and less and less dead. See, that's the normal Christian life, a life where each day you look a little bit more alive than you did yesterday. And the goal is to experience that until Jesus does his final unwrapping job for all of eternity. I want you to just think about this. How, how weird would it have been if Lazarus had shuffled out of the tomb and just kept on shuffling? Like never just paused for Jesus to say, you guys unwrap him. What if he had just shuffled out and kept on shuffling? How weird would that have been? Lazarus would have gone from being the cool guy who came back from the dead to being the weird guy who just always looks dead. Just imagine being at H-E-B and there's Lazarus just shuffling down the frozen food section. You'd be like, kids, uh, look away, all right? It's just weird. That's the weird guy. Just think about this. Think about how much life Lazarus would have missed out on if he had never bothered to get unwrapped. I just want to give you a physical demonstration of this. I want to invite my friend Colton to come out on stage and join me. Hey, Colton. Colton brought some bubble wrap, uh, and I just figured we'd wrap them up. It's just a normal day at Community of Faith. We do this every weekend if you're a visitor. Hard work. Colton, why don't you take a few spins, help a brother out? It's good. It's great. Why do work when someone else can do it for you? That's great. You can stop right there. We'll cover your face because we <laughs> like you. How dumb is this? This is crazy. Hang with me on this. <laughs> I just want you to think about this. I, this is so, so dumb. But I just want you to think. Colton's one of our lead storytellers here at Community of Faith. He's married to, his wife is Rachel. I, I just want you to imagine, what if this was Colton's life? What if this was his life? Imagine him on his wedding day standing there at the altar with Rachel. It's like turn and face one another and join hands. Okay, never mind. Okay, you can just kind of throw the ring at him. I don't know. What do you do? You may kiss your bride. Rachel would be like, yeah, I'm good. Just imagine him at the birth of his children. Just standing there in the, the delivery room. Would you like to hold your, okay, never mind. I'll hold you. Look. How weird would that be? You go to lunch with him after church. He doesn't even sit down. He's just standing at the side of the table. 
and you've got to put food in his mouth, you've got to feed him to enjoy his company. How crazy would this be? How much life would Colton miss out on? You know what the crazy thing is? Is this is life for so many of us. We sit and look at this and we're like, this is ridiculous. You know what's ridiculous? Is Jesus has come so that we might begin to taste the unwrapped life. And so many of us shuffle around wrapped up in our sin. Just think about it. So many of us are so wrapped up in anger, bitterness, and resentment right now towards someone who has wronged us. And you know what we tell ourselves? We tell ourselves, you know what? My bitterness, that's my right. My resentment, that's my right for what he did to me, for what she did to me. My anger, this is my right. Well, let me just tell you, you want to know who's getting hurt the most by your anger, bitterness, and resentment? I promise you, it's you. So many of us are wrapped up in, in lies and half-truths and exaggerations. We lie and tell half-truths and exaggerate to the people around us about who we are, what we've done, and what we have. We do that because we're insecure about whether they will actually like us for who we truly are. But here's the catch. No one truly knows you. All they know is the manufactured version of you, which means you don't know if people really love you. You only know if people love the manufactured version of you. Where's the life in that? Many of our lives are wrapped up in jealousy, in, in envy. We wish we were a little bit less like ourselves and a little bit more like that person sitting over there or that person in the house next door or that person in the office just down the hall. If we could just live in a house like they live in, if I could just make enough money like they make, if I could just look a little bit more like they look, if the scale could read just a little bit more like their scale reads. You know what it breeds in our lives? It breeds self-hate. And we're missing out. Many of us are wrapped up in control. We, we go through life just scraping the world for control, grasping for control. But you know what? God intentionally leads us into situations we can't control. And so you know what happens is you try and control and you end up feeling like a failure because you can't control your kids can't control your job situation. You just, you can't control it. And so you miss out on life. Many of our lives are wrapped up in lust. And so what we do is we escape to fantasy worlds on the internet. And you know what? That, that, that drive in us is a drive for intimacy. And so we will look to the internet or other things craving intimacy, but it's always a distorted version of intimacy. And what it does is it causes us to withdraw into isolation. See, that's where it gets us. We are craving intimacy, but it's just isolating us. We spend time in rooms where no one knows where we are doing things no one knows that we're doing. For many of us, this is our reality. We shuffle through life missing out when Jesus has come that we might live 
and experience freedom in the unwrapped life. Just imagine. Instead of a life wrapped up in anger, bitterness, and resentment, what if you could experience a life of forgiveness and rest that comes from just letting go and trusting it to God? Instead of a life, life wrapped up in lies and half-truths and exaggerations, what if there was just the freedom that comes from being fully known and fully loved? Yeah, people know your strengths, yet they've also seen behind the curtain of your life, and they still love you. They don't run from you. They press into you. They encourage you. What about the freedom that comes from being fully known and fully loved? What about... What if we could experience a life instead of a life wrapped up in jealousy and envy? What if we could experience a life of contentment? Knowing that if God wanted us to be different, he would have made us that way. But there's only one of you on the planet. And he planned it that way. And his plans for your life are good, pleasing, and perfect. That's what the Bible says. What if instead of a life wrapped up in in control, there was just the joy that comes from resting, from needing to be in control because you know Jesus Christ, First, or Colossians 1 says that he is before all things and in him all things hold together. So what if you could go to sleep tonight and just go to sleep and stay asleep and get your full eight hours because you don't need to lay awake stressing out about grasping for control. Instead of a life wrapped up in lust, which always takes, which is always selfish, which causes you to retreat into isolation, what if you could experience a life of freedom that comes from genuine, authentic love, which breeds intimacy? And yeah, it takes work. But that's where real intimacy is found. Would you guys thank Colton for helping me out today? This is the reality for so many of us. Many of us spend our days all wrapped up, but Jesus came so that we could experience something different. So let me just ask you to think about this. In what areas of your life do you still look dead? We all have them. We all have them. Every single one of us has area of our lives that still need to be unwrapped. Can you just identify one this morning? You know what I love about the story is Jesus looked to the people standing around and he said, you guys, unwrap them. Jesus could have unwrapped them himself. All throughout the Gospels, Jesus touched people. But this time, Jesus, instead of touching them, he steps back and says, you guys do it. And I love that because what it shows us is a lot of times God unwraps his people with his people. Do you have a few friends in your life who can step in that you can be completely open and honest with and just say, guys, I need you in my life and I need you to encourage me and help me begin the unwrapping process? That's why it's so important not to just attend here at Community of Faith, but to belong here at Community of Faith. If you don't know where to start, start here in this place. We would love to get you to connected to a place where you can be fully known and fully loved.
Jesus came that we might experience, taste now the unwrapped life that we will experience and enjoy for all of eternity. It brings us back to the question that Jesus asked Martha. Do you believe this? Do you believe this? Not do you believe that going to church is a good thing? Not do you believe that you've been a good moral person? Not do you believe that you're crushing it in life? No, do you believe this? That if you're going to experience eternal life with God in heaven when you die, it has to have everything to do with Jesus. And if you truly want to live now, it will have everything to do with Jesus. Why? Because he is the resurrection and the life. Whoever believes in him, though he die, yet shall he live. And everyone who lives and believes in Jesus shall never die. Do you believe this? Let's pray together. Lord Jesus, I pray for my friends in the room this morning that don't have a relationship with you, I pray that this question would linger in their minds and in their hearts until they answer it. God, I pray that if there's anyone here this morning that wants to know you in a personal way, that they would just simply say in the quietness of their own hearts, yes, I believe that, Jesus. I believe that you are my resurrection in life. God, we all have areas of our lives where we still look dead. We all have areas of our lives that still need to be unwrapped. We are all missing out on life in one way or another. And so I just pray that you would lovingly, gently, but clearly reveal to us the areas of our lives that just need to be unwrapped. And I pray that you would just bring a few men or a few women into each of our lives that you will use in the unwrapping process. We need you, God. I pray that people would leave here uncomfortable in the fact that there's something in their lives that still looks dead, but, they, but may they also leave comforted that you have come, that they might have life. And it's your desire to unwrap them moving forward. We need you. We love you, Jesus. Amen.